0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Welcome to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with your host, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Parthenia is a psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner who will show you alternative paths towards health with a holistic approach. Call in with your questions or comments at 888-235-7374. And now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard.
0: Good morning to those of you listening to our live broadcast today, June 14, 2008. And hello to those of you listening to an Internet archive within a few minutes of the show close or rebroadcast some other time. Um, you may realize that we're now Rebroadcasting Saturday programs the following Friday, uh, the f- following Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so you can look out for that, and I'm going to tell you a, something about a change later on. Um, also, okay, you have minutes before the show closes, and that's all here on Achieve Radio. There is a link on my website. You're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard at Achieve Radio. To call into the program, call 888-235-7374, that's 888-235-7374, or you can send an InQuick message. When you get to the Achieve Radio website at the top, there's something called an InQuick message, and it's like an instant message, and you can just send a message to us during the program, and I will read it on the air to call into the program, I already gave you the number. Uh, you can also uh, call us if you have any problems with those links at 866-472-6094. Okay, right now the shows air live Saturday mornings with rebroadcasts Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, starting Friday, July 11, 2008. Shows will air live Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, with the rebroadcasts being Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So be on the lookout for that change. I also want to let those of you who enjoyed that guitar music before our program started, uh, I want to let you know who that was. That was Scott Hickok. And, yes, he's a descendant of Wild Bill Hickok. But, anyway, I think he's wonderful, and I, I wanted to let people know who he was. On this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products, and issues, and we do it with the experts. Only try the therapy shared here after consulting with your physician. Last Saturday, my guest was Meyer Schneider, PhD, LMT, author of Movement for Self Healing, the Natural Vision Improvement Kit, and the Yoga for Your Eyes CD. Uh, We extended the interview uh, last week, so. Maybe we'll get to the Urban Yasana today. If you missed that show, you can go to my website at www.amtherapies.com. Click on the Achieve Radio link to hear the show. For appointments with me and for general information, call 866-472-6094. That's 866-472-6094. And, of course, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to all of you wonderful fathers out there for tomorrow. Um, Intuitive Monique Chapman visits every second Saturday of the month, so we expect today to have her at the end of today's program with Monique's Moments. Usually, she shares her intuition about world affairs and callers' concerns. Remember, you can purchase the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health, on my site. Then visit www.amtherapies.com to make that wonderful resource a gift to yourself and or a friend. Today I'm speaking with Kate McLaughlin, author of *Mommy, I'm Still In Here*, one of one family's journey with uh, bipolar disease. I'm sorry, I'm just tripping all over myself this morning. Anyway, at the end of the program, we will discuss the herb Muira Puama and the Asana Pavrita Parsvakonasana. Uh, now, now it's time for our wellness news. Anti-inflammatory effects of pomegranate in rabbits, a potential treatment in humans, Science Daily, June 12, 2008. Oral ingestion of pomegranate extract reduces the production of chemicals that cause inflammation, suggests a new study. The findings indicate that pomegranate extract may provide humans with relief of chronic inflammatory conditions. The group from the Department of Medicine of Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, led by Tariq Haki, showed that blood samples collected from rabbits fed pomegranate extract inhibited inflammation. Pomegranate extract is already used as a treatment in alternative medicine for inflammatory conditions such as arthritis. Although pomegranate extract has antioxidant and anti-inflammatory Actions in experiments on isolated tissues, it is not known whether ingestion of it can produce the same anti-inflammatory effects in living systems, either because the active compounds are not absorbed from the gut or because the levels of these compounds in the blood are not high enough. Pomegranate extract, the equivalent of 175 mils of pomegranate juice, was given to rabbits orally. The levels of antioxidants were measured in blood samples obtained after drinking the pomegranate extract and compared to blood samples collected before ingestion of pomegranate extract. Plasma collected from rabbits following ingestion of pomegranate extract contained significantly higher levels of antioxidants than samples collected before ingestion of pomegranate. Extract. The extract also significantly reduced the activity of proteins that cause inflammation, specifically cyclooxygenase 2. It also reduced the production of pro inflammatory compounds produced by cells isolated from cartilage. Results of this study indicate the beneficial effects of pomegranate extract when ingested. According to our key, "quote the use of dietary nutrients or drugs based on them as an adjunct in the treatment of chronic inflammatory conditions may benefit patients. Uh, current treatment with anti-inflammatory drugs can have serious side effects following long-term use. Further research is needed, however, especially on the absorption of orally ingested substances into the blood." End quote. Uh, We've shared quite a bit of information about uh, pomegranate uh, extract or pomegranate juice in the past. So keep um, following up on that folks. Okay. Now, as I said earlier, our guest today is Kate McLaughlin. Uh, she frequently speaks and writes on the topics of communication, education, family issues, and mental health, uh, committed to increasing understanding and acceptance of, along with compassion and support for, the mentally ill. She is a member of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance on Mental Illness and the Juvenile Bipolar Research Foundation. She also participates in NAMI's family-to-family program. She lives in Arizona with her husband, Mark, and their youngest daughter, Monica. So we'll be back after the break with my guest, Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy, I'm Still In Here, One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder.
2: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation.
0: Okay, we're back with uh, Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom uh, with psychologist Parthenia Izard. Now, remember on my site, www.amtherapies.com, you can preview and purchase the book I co-authored called 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. My chapter is Naturopathy. And, uh, oh, yes, Mark Allen enjoyed a wonderful prom last week, and we're uh, looking forward to his graduation this week. Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy, I'm Still in Here, uh, One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, Parthenia. And how are you this morning? I am very well. Thank you for asking. Oh, yes. And now where are you? (laughs) Arizona. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. Now, what is the weather like out there today?
3: Well, it is beautiful and bright and sunny, and uh, it's probably going to hit 100 degrees today.
0: Oh, how delightful! Ours yeah. isn't well. Ours isn't going to be too far behind. I think we're going to get as high as 90 degrees, and we're out here in Pennsylvania. So, isn't that interesting?
3: Oh, and so you get that humidity along with it.
0: Yes, exactly. You don't get that correct. No. <laughs> very nice. Well, I'm I'm glad uh, that you were able to uh talk with us this morning. Uh this is a topic that is uh very dear to me because I do have a relative who uh, had uh, you know? Who experiences or is living with um, this uh, particular challenge? Um, but before we get into that, uh, was there anything about your childhood or your upbringing that facilitated your ability to navigate through everything that you were navigating through? You know, I have to tell
3: you that I had a challenging upbringing myself, and I I, I think I just came into the world to battle those challenges to learn new lessons because. Um, because that was sort of my goal in college, to learn how to communicate better, to learn how to create a well and happy family. So I sort of made it a personal goal as I was seeking my own higher education.
0: Okay, because, I mean, parenting, just under what, "Quote unquote" is called normal circumstances is challenging enough, yeah. um, but uh, you know, uh, having a, a child with um, you know any type of psychological challenge is uh, takes it to a whole nother level. And then when you do it twice, you become an expert. <laughs> I don't know if they told you that, but you you fall in the the expert category at this point. Um, And also, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you throughout the book, it's a very hopeful book. It's a very positive book. Despite the challenges that come along, each thing is presented in such a wonderfully positive way that you're not going to have any kind of uh, negative feelings as you're going through it, above and beyond what the the person that you're reading about is experiencing. So I wanted to make sure people realized that it is a very uplifting um, uh, book. Um, how were you, now this this is sort of skipping ahead, but how did you eventually find out about the orthomolecular aspect of psychiatry? Was it a friend or you just came across it through some readings?
3: It was actually a very serendipitous situation. Uh, the actress Margot Kidder had come to uh, my hometown here to perform. And uh, I was able to meet her afterwards. And I knew that she had a history of mental illness and was doing quite well. And I was working on some written material. And and as we started chatting, she said, you know, I'd love to read it. And so she took a copy of that material and read it. And then she gave me a call a couple of weeks later and said, I want you to tell, I want to tell you what I do, how I've managed my health. And, And she explained to me, her very public breakdown that occurred 10 or 12 years ago in in the L.A. area and and what followed that and how she's managed to stay well since then. And she was using uh, orthomolecular medication.
0: Okay, very good. Well, we're gonna hopefully we'll have time to get back to that. But people, you'll find it. You know, you get uh, even a website uh, shared at the end of the um, book that gives you information about um, you know that whole aspect of things. Because you know, this being wellness, wholeness, and wisdom, we focus a lot on that aspect of how to deal with um, psychological challenges. Mm -hmm. But that being said, how did this title come up, Mommy? I'm still in here. I love this title.
3: Well, it's actually a quote that came, you know, straight from one of my kids. Um, my my oldest daughter Chloe was was in the midst of a very severe manic phase that actually sort of locked her into her body. Her her hands and toes and, and uh, elbows were all curled in on herself, and, and she was really in an extreme state of, of tension. And I was trying to get her from our house into the car because I knew she needed to see a doctor immediately. And I said to my husband, Mark, You know, I don't know if she can hear me. She's not responding to me. I I just don't even, it's like she's not even in there. And she looked up to me just for a moment, looked straight in my eyes, and, and just broke through that physical bound and said, Mommy, I'm still in here, and then was pulled right back into it.
0: Isn't that something? Oh, well, folks. I mean, that's that's the kind of sensitivity and the kind of uh, emotions that are shared in this uh, this book, this very beautifully written book. And uh, I'm so glad to hear where. They, I mean, that's the sense you have of where the the title came from. But it's nice to know the the whole story. Okay. Well, but that said, why don't you sort of Share a little bit. Well, the way the book is put out, it's it's, it's sort of like a journal in the sense of uh, you're talking about different periods in time and the things that happen. It's it's not covering a a lot of years. What is it about three years? Mm -hmm, That's that's right. Right. So, um, why don't you sort of give us the 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 before scenario and then the change and uh, take us into more of uh, what what you talk about in the book. I also want to especially uh, share the fact that not only are you giving your perspective of these events, but you're going to share the perspective of your, your offspring, your son and your daughter yeah. as well. Yeah. So go ahead.
3: Well, you know, our life was really ideal. My husband, Mark, and I met in high school and dated through college, got married right after I, I finished uh, college, and and I started teaching school, and then we be, began um, having our children. And my kids were... Um, just wonderful little creatures. I have to say that Chloe was very sensitive. She was hypersensitive to all changes in her environment, and that might have been a clue to what was to come. But at the time, uh, my pediatrician just thought she was a very bright child and that we just had to sort of moderate her um, sensory input to keep her comfortable. So it was not that big a deal. Um, As the kids grew, they did very well in school. All three of them were very, very bright in the gifted programs. You know, excellent behavior. We didn't have any anomalous childhood behavior, so to speak. Um, They were really good kids. And um, as they got into high school, uh, that continued. So they were always on honor roll. They were in the gifted programs. They did really well. And then uh, the summer after Chloe's junior year in high school, she was working part-time. She was coaching soccer and and doing all the social things that a 17-year-old does and really busy and I, I, I didn't really uh, see any problem there, and later I will learn that, that what was going on was really quite uh, emblematic. Um, she was very, very busy, let's put it that way. And then when she started uh, her senior year, she suddenly became profoundly depressed, and it it was something I'd never seen before, and I, I have lived with depression my whole life. It's sort of one of the threads that runs through the quilt of my family fabric, and uh, Chloe was was very depressed, and it continued to get worse to the point where she couldn't get herself out of bed. And that's when I took her to the doctor, and that's when we started down the path of, of, of treating mental illness.
0: Okay, now for her, what was she experiencing? Did did she have any feelings that something wasn't altogether correct, that she needed to talk to somebody about something? When did she start to feel something wasn't the way she wanted it to be?
3: The most interesting thing is we found out later, probably a year after she was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder, we found out that she had been experiencing symptoms since she was about 12 and possibly even into childhood. um, Right. But she was hearing uh, voices at age 12, and she knew that uh, something was wrong with her brain or her mind, um, but her grandmother um, had been mentally ill, and she was severely mentally ill and heavily heavily sedated and medicated, and, and uh, Chloe was afraid, so she never told us, um, and she was just so bright and so good at adapting that, that she hid it very well for, for those five years, um, of course, I think it intensified and, and got worse and, and became impossible to hide. But, but uh, a- after she started on the antidepressant, and I want to point out to your listeners that this is the most common occurrence in, in uh, the path of diagnosis for bipolar disorder. Usually, we recognize the depression stage first because it's, it's so obvious. And um, when treatment begins for that, and by treatment I usually mean an antidepressant, a pharmaceutical um, it kicks, it, it kicks the brain chemistry into the next phase, so to speak, and, it, and then the person becomes manic, and that's what happened with Chloe. So after she'd been on an antidepressant for a very short time, just a matter of weeks, uh, that's when we had our uh, incident where, where she was literally locked in her own physical self.
0: Well, now, your son, what was the amount of time that transpired between your daughter's first diagnosis or your first um, realization that there was something psychological that needed addressing that your son presented with something that made you, you know, also be concerned?
3: Um, I, I would say a couple of years later, well, okay. it was very difficult to ascertain what was in response to having someone in your know, immediate family with a severe mental illness and all of the, of the literally trauma that occurs in the beginning when you're trying to get it under control and You know, here we had two other kids who were younger and experienced and all that, and it was hard to um, sort of separate what was reaction to that and what was organic to Michael. But he was actually diagnosed again at age 17 uh, three years later, although, of course, we had seen things coming. Um, 17 is the average age of onset for bipolar disorder.
0: You know, it's, it's amazing. The, what you're sharing, and, and I, and I want to make sure that your son and your daughter are, are okay with all of this. I, I know within the framework of what it is you're doing and how you're trying to help everybody, how do they feel about being a part of that? I mean, have they had any issues with it, or are they 100% behind your you know, sharing all of this again, national, international radio. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm certain you do, but I just want to make sure I, I said it.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, when we were, when I was, because I am a writer, I had written two other books before I tackled this project and they were in a very different genre. And when I was working on the project, initially it was sort of therapeutic for me. And I also thought it would be good for my kids to read later to see, because there are lots of things they don't remember. And, um, And then we got to a point where I thought, boy, we could really be helping other people. There's nothing out there that's encouraging to parents and families. Every personal anecdote I read was very, very negative, and and, uh, it just made you feel terrible once you finished. And I I really felt strongly that it it would be sort of my responsibility to assure other people that it doesn't have to be that bad. And um, so I talked to the kids about it. I said, you know, right, why don't you read some of the stuff that I've been working on? And... And tell me what you think, and is it a problem to put it out there? And, and I assured them that I would never put anything out there that they didn't approve. And and mm-hmm. so we did that, and Michael is really very, very open and frank, and, and he was like, oh, just put it all out there, Mom. People need to know, <laughs> and, you know, what happened happened. And uh, Chloe was a little more cautious, um, and so I do use pseudonyms. Those are not my children's real names. But Good, okay. Yeah. Uh, so so they do have, you know, as far as the the world is concerned a certain amount of anonymity.
0: Very good. Okay. I I think that it's also important for parents to hear because sometimes we think when we're talking about our own experience, even though they are our offspring, we have to take into consideration we're also talking about their experience. And they, they, on some level, need to be, you know, talked to about it. Um, And I appreciate that you did that. That, That's really good. Um, What about your husband? Is he... Is there anything you want to share for dads uh, going through these experiences? Because they're often not uh, uh, present a lot for a lot of the things that are, you know, happening, and they come back and maybe sometimes they see changes or differences. What, what kind of advice would you have for the fathers?
3: Well, you know, I have to tell you that that's probably one of the most common questions I get, and it's very clear to me that that also is um, one of the issues that creates increased trauma and stress in a family where mental illness is an issue because I I think that the partner who's working full-time and not in the home with the kids as much as as the primary caretaker, just like you you said, they sort of feel out of the loop sometimes. And along the way, we found it was really important to make sure that um, both Mark and I were reading the material that was given to us. If if doctors and practitioners gave us informational material, I, I was very... Very certain to make sure Mark had access to it, that he read it, that we talked about it, that his questions were answered, because it's important to be on the same page when when you have a chronic illness in a family and in your children. You know, the most common outcome of that is divorce, (laughs) and you know the only way to waylay that is to make sure that you're always in communication. You're always talking about what's going on and what you're going to do next, and you have some sense of agreement. And um, fortunately, we were able to do that. But it wasn't always easy, and we hit some yeah. really tough patches along the way.
0: So advice. You know, the next question is relationship advice when you're going through this. First, the communication and making sure each other has the same information as it's presented uh, and making decisions together about what to do next. Is there anything else that might be helpful to somebody?
3: You know, we, we had to work hard at... Um, making sure that we didn't judge one another.
0: We had to work other. blame each other,
3: blame each other at, at being patient with where in the stage of acceptance one or the other was. Um, and there were times when we were not at the same place and those were the hard times. And, and we, we really had to work hard. And I think the bottom line was we were, we were committed to one another. We saw ourselves as a couple first, a family second, all although still very important. And, um, I think that was probably key to getting through it is we knew that when we came out on the other side of this experience, we were still going to be partners, so we better make sure
0: that we still liked each other. Right. Excellent. Excellent. I hope everyone's listening. This is wonderful. This is really wonderful. Uh, And then lastly, but not leastly, uh, if you will, your third child, uh, your youngest daughter, how did she see all of this, and what is her take at this point?
3: Well, Monica is now 20, and all of this began when she was uh, 12. So so it's been a long haul for her. And, it, you know, she's an interesting person because I think she came sort of to this world with a sense of balance, and she was a natural peacemaker, kind of a, a, a typical third child from what I gather, but a very easygoing soul. And, and throughout all of this, she, she pretty well maintained her own sense of of balance and equilibrium even though she was very young but as her 17th birthday approached of course it, it got a little scary and um, the year she was 16 we we had many conversations about what if what if i'm going to have it too because once two, two siblings have been diagnosed there's a, about a 75 percent chance that the other children will and uh, so that was a scary possibility but very real and and you know, at that point in time, all I could say to Monica was, "Well, if if it is, it is, and gosh, we know what to do now, so, <laughs> so it's okay. We'll do it." Um, mm. And and her, she did fine until after her um, her freshman year in college, and and we all remember what that's like and the changes and the turmoil that you experience as an individual trying to grow up and be out there. And after her freshman year in college, she said, "Mommy, I, I'm afraid I might have it too." And so we mm. just we just had her see a doctor for for several weeks actually it was a psychologist and she talked with her for for several weeks and i said this is just going to be sort of a diagnostic period monica just go talk delve into this stuff and see what they say and, and at the end of those few weeks i said you know you're a perfectly normal very busy college student and these are things that just happen in life and and what you've experienced in your in your family life you know it was a lot and so now you're sort of dealing with it all and Good for you. <laughs> so She came away feeling pretty, pretty confident that she was healthy and well and also with a set of uh, tools to, to enable her to keep an eye on herself so that if things did start to happen, she knew what they
0: were very good there is also a rule of thumb that if you're able to sit down and rationally ask the question you usually don't have anything to be concerned with but um it depends especially when people are extremely intelligent that ability to sit down and have that intellectual conversation with your parent or with your you know somebody else is often easier to do than um would be the case with someone else, but very good. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, you have a very good uh, uh, look at uh, all aspects of what can happen in the family, Uh, you know, what the family family dynamics are with regards to um, bipolar uh, or the presence or uh, presentation of bipolar uh, disease. Very good. Okay. Um, What would you say for educators. Now, we're about to go to break, so you're going to have a little bit of time to really talk about this. What advice can you give teachers, people who are administrators in school systems, uh, people who see your children, see our children for six, what is it, six hours a day for the bulk of the day? What kinds of things can they start to tap into? And uh, think about that, Kate, for us, and then when we get back, we'll get into it, okay? Thank you. All right, you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. I want you to make sure you look, up, look at my Internet mall on my website. You can purchase all kinds of wonderful products at very low rates. Check regularly as I change the products often. Uh, again, Nature Sunshine products are also available. And uh, we'll be back with my guest, Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy. I'm still in here. One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. Uh, my guest next week, June 21, 2008, will be. Addie Johnson, author of Life is Sweet, uh, 333 ways to look on the bright side and find the happiness in front of you. Um, I'm, um, oh yes, and at the end of that program, we will discuss the Ur Muling and the Asana Pavrita Artha Chandrasana. Uh, we'll, we are back with Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy, I'm Still In Here, One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder. If you have questions of my guest, call 888-235-7374. That's 888-235-7374. Okay, Kate, what, what advice do you have for our educators and administrators in the education system?
3: I'm really glad you asked that because I, I actually spent 12 years as a teacher in both California and Arizona, so so I, I really have looked at this from both sides of the coin. <laughs> um, I, I, I spend a lot of time now talking with parents and, and counselors in, in high schools mostly, but also middle schools and, and some of the things I tell them to watch for are, are, are things that can indicate lots of kind, lots of problems in kids but but when children suddenly have a change in their social circle, when they um, begin having difficulties with their peers or um, either confrontational argumentative kinds of situations, or even when they just start to isolate themselves, pull away, and become become a loners in the classroom, if there 's a sudden change in their academic performance, um, either their um, hyper intense and anxious and, and it has to be right and sort of that typical type A behavior when it didn't exist before, or the opposite, when they suddenly become disinterested and unconcerned about the outcome of their of their academic efforts, those things are all indicators that there's a real shift going on inside that young person, and, and you need to have a look at it. Um, uh, irritability is, is a big one because in younger people, that's sometimes the first thing that, that manifests um, and that makes sense because there's a lot of of change and turmoil going on in in the chemistry and the mind and the electricity of the body and that that comes out as an as an irritable behavior um also it's important for people to be aware of self-injurious behaviors and you often see these in um uh, in girls but boys do it too uh, cutting is one of the things that girls are most most commonly um, known to do uh, you know they cut their arms they cut their inner thighs so if suddenly um, you're seeing wounds that look self-inflicted or uh, kids change their dress to cover up parts of their body. So if you never, ever see a forearm and the weather gets hot and you still don't, there's something to think about. Boys usually um, burn themselves with cigarettes or, or hit walls. They often have uh, bruised or broken skin on their knuckles and hands. If you start seeing patterns of those things in the same child, you see it over and over, over again. You know something's gone wrong and you need to address it. And in most school settings, teachers are discouraged from approaching families directly. They're usually encouraged to go to the counselor or the administrator, share what they, they, they've they observed and often are asked to document before they approach the families so that they're coming to the families with information, not just conjecture.
0: Also, a lot of times once a, a child is diagnosed, uh, educators are never... Brought into the loop, they they're usually not told that a, a child has a specific diagnosis, and I I know they're doing that to protect the privacy of the child. But sometimes something should be shared so that the teacher, I guess, can be more helpful or be more of a you know a, a team player in in the situation. Um, anything else? Uh, what about principals and um, just school districts in general? Uh, anything that they should incorporate? In, the, in their system or uh, any, uh, any types of uh, resources you think might be helpful?
3: Well, one of the things I think that needs to change, and it addresses what you said just a moment ago, that we don't often tell teachers and other support people, uh, and the reason we don't is the shame and stigma that is still attached to mental illness. And I, and I try to tell people, listen, this is an organic illness. It is, it is as biological as diabetes. It is biological as kidney disease, as MS, as multi- muscular dystrophy. Those things all come from a genetic root. That is the case, too, with bipolar disorder, deep depression, and schizophrenia, the three major uh, mental illnesses. They're caused by a genetic anomaly. And so we need to start addressing them as that. This is a medical condition. It's not something that happened because uh, of poor parenting or, or necessarily drug use or you know, all the things that we like to say and blame. Uh, if we start removing the stigma, we start inculcating our society with, with information, with facts. We just start busting the myths then I think people are going to be very comfortable saying, yeah, this is a diagnosis. This is how we're treating it. This is what you might see in your classroom. This is what you can do if you do, and this is how I can help you. Um, you know, it, one thing leads to the next, and and then you get total wellness. Then you get the whole community, um, the whole village in Hillary uh, Rodham Clinton's vernacular, supporting that child in the best way possible, and, we were lucky that we had some teachers and administrators who were very helpful and willing to be flexible, and that was important. Um, we also ran into those that sort of dug their heels in and said, no, this is how we do things, and we're not going to do it differently. And, and in those cases, as a parent, I had to become pretty proactive, and I had to say, listen, um, I know my rights. I know my child's rights. I, I know this is difficult for all of us, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy for you, uh, but but." We we have the right to insist on this, <laughs> and I think you know as long as you do it with respect, and honesty, and share information every step along the way, you know we all come away uh, better informed and better able to do our jobs.
0: Wonderful. Okay, uh, we have a list a caller on the line, Lewis from New York. Good morning, Lewis. Uh, do you have a question of our guest? Good morning. Yes, I uh, do. Uh yes, uh could you ask Ms. McLaughlin, uh Ms. Miss McLaughlin, do you uh, do you know of an alternative uh, medication um that is more natural or to, to deal with bipolar disorder than um uh, than uh, lithium? Lithium. Well,
3: uh, you know there there are options available, and, and I, I have to t- tell you that for some people they work beautifully, and for other people they're not as effective as as pharmaceuticals, and you really have to work with your own uh, medical team to figure that out. If you want to do a search online, you can look up ortho molecular medicine. And there are, there are several clinics and facilities in the country that, that do purely that kind of treatment, and it works very well for some people. It was not effective for one of my children at all, um, but, it, but it was somewhat effective for the other. So every body is different, and because this is a chemical imbalance and a genetic problem in the body, you, know, you do have to look at lots of different ways. But I can tell you several things right off the top that make a huge difference for anybody with a bipolar diagnosis. First of all, you need to stay away from drugs and alcohol because they, uh, they, they change your body chemistry, and that's a big part of the problem. Uh, you also should avoid caffeine because caffeine is a stimulant, and in a bipolar brain, it actually, uh, it actually modifies okay, it, itself. It's, it's more profound, its effect is. Uh, Sleep is really important, and so that's one of the most natural approaches. Make sure you're getting proper, consistent, appropriate sleep, um, and be careful what you eat. Too much refined sugar also is a problem just like it is for a diabetic. So those are all sort of first-step approaches to start feeling better. But I also want to remind you that lithium is a natural substance. It's a natural salt, and um, it was not created in a lab somewhere So it's probably one of the most natural approaches to the treatment of bipolar disorder.
0: Oh, thank Thank you. you. Thank you for calling, Lewis. You always have very insightful questions. Okay, yes, thank you. See, I'm only a psychologist, but I try to just sit back, and I'm so glad to hear somebody else say some of these things so people realize that people who are experiencing these things are also saying that there are benefits to uh, that orthomolecular approach uh, to wellness. And, of course, there is the alternative uh, mental health website. Uh, We've talked about that a lot, and Safe Harbor, and there are a lot of things uh, out there to assist people in complementing whatever medical treatment or they are getting or assist them in expanding that treatment however they like um very good um is now your your book is broken up into if you will 38 uh, sections uh, covering that three-year period of time and uh, we're running short on time at this point of course um, at the end I hate to jump but at the end you talk about uh, embracing the differences you want to share what it is you sort of say there is your your solution your realization after most of this
3: well I think that what we all learned was as long as we continued to fight what was our current reality, as long as we continue to say, I'm not accepting this, we want what we had back, um, we, we, it was futile, it's frustrating. Um, once we were able to say, listen, this is not the reality we thought we were going to have, but there's a whole lot of good stuff here. And we started looking for the joy. We started looking for the happiness. We started looking for the blessings and the opportunities we had within the parameters that we were now living. And, and suddenly, at least for me, my, my world flipped. It was like, wow, yeah, this is a drag, but everybody has negative stuff. And uh, we have a pretty darn good life. We, we all like each other. We <laughs>
0: You know, Mark and
3: I are still married. We have fun when we're together. Um, we have really rough patches, but we know how to get through them, and we know that we can. So our experience was just loaded with opportunities to learn and to love and to... Um, find a sense of peace and acceptance that I think many people search for their whole lives and we sort of got to take the the condensed version of the lesson so we were very lucky.
0: Okay, hold on, we're at our next break you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. We will be back with uh, Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy, I'm Still In Here One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder Um, Before we totally go kate uh think about your final words of wisdom because i am going to ask you for that at the end of the um whole interview i'm giving you a little heads up there Uh, but again we'll be back with kate mclaughlin author of mommy i'm still in here
2: why should you passively exist with backaches allergies pms colds flu and other ailments it's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures
0: You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Prithenia Izard. Remember my book, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. Purchase it on my site. And William Penn's Mark Allen is getting ready to graduate on Wednesday. We'll tell you where he's going to college eventually. Uh, we are back with Kate McLaughlin, author of Mommy, I'm Still in Here, One Family's Journey with Bipolar Disorder. Now, one thing I want to make sure I uh, we touch on is... Mental illness and the legal system. Is there any type of resource or advice you can share that would, af- would assist people? I know New York State, for example, has a mental health component to its judicial system such as it is. Um, it's not perfect, but at least they have something in place. What, what suggestion do you have in that regard?
3: Well, I want to say that, you know, New York was one of the, one of the first that started to uh, address that need in the judicial system, and many other states are following, and I'm hoping that that is a trend that continues. Um, it's really important if you have a loved one with a mental illness that you understand their rights and that you understand what you can do to assure that they enter that track. So you have to be aware, you have to have knowledge, you have to investigate ahead of time in case that possibility occurs. There is an online resource, and there are some things about this particular group that I, I don't completely agree with. It's called Treatment Advocacy Center, and, and some of their approaches I think are a little harsh. One thing on their website that I find very helpful, however, is they have a state-by-state resource guide of, of lawyers and, uh, and public defenders and legal rights consultants for people specifically involved uh, in the judicial system with a mental illness. So I, I think that that in itself is a really valuable tool. So it's a treatment advocacy center, and you can look under their, um, their legal issues uh, area of their website. I, I think that's a great resource. Um, and the other thing is it, it, it's really important to offer enough support so that your loved one doesn't end up in the judicial system because that sort of has become the, uh, the warehouse for mental health people. <laughs> it's really a problem. Yeah.
0: Well, now, before I let you go also, I need for you to give us your website if you have one and any contact information that you might want to share at this point.
3: I would love to do that. I do have a website. It's www.katemclaughlin.net. That's Kate, M-C-L-A-U. G-H-L-I-N dot net. I always tell people it has the word laugh in the middle. That makes it easy. <laughs> and, and I encourage people to come there because I really see this as sort of my role in the world. And I get the RSS feeds from all the um, mental health agencies pretty much across the world. And anything that new, new that pops up each day, I, I uh, bring, bring out in my website on my blog page, so there's always new information and, and some anecdotal things, and every once in a while I'd step like a mom. Um, but, but I think it's really give, helpful.
0: Give that website again, please. It's, Do it again. Nice w-
3: www.katemclaughlin.net net. Okay. And I also now, have contact information. So if people have a specific need, they can email me through my website, and I can usually refer them to, to the support system that's nearby.
0: Okay, you want to give that email address, and if possible, a phone number, because there's some people, you know, that still aren't altogether internet savvy above and beyond listening to our wonderful program. <laughs> you bet, you bet. My,
3: my um, email address is pretty easy it's kate at katemclaughlin.net. So that's easy, and and a, a direct phone to me is five two zero three three one eight four two nine.
0: Excellent. And okay. I'm you know
3: I'm happy to talk to people, and usually I I can, I can lead them in the right direction.
0: That's wonderful. Okay, so we got the, I got the um, the legal system in there, which I wanted to make sure I put. Now, is there any other? item I didn't touch on that you really were burning to, you know, that you were burning to share? You know, I have to say that I think
3: it's important for anybody dealing with any sort of medical trauma in their life to take good care of themselves so you can take good care of the people that you're in charge of. And one of the things that's been my saving grace has actually been a very regular yoga practice. And uh, it, it sort of addresses mind, body, and spirit, and it keeps me strong, flexible, healthy in all those areas. And well, I encourage people to find something, whether it's yoga or running or going to the gym or ballet or whatever it is for you that's got a physical component um, that allows you to release stress and stay healthy.
0: Okay, then, um, and your final words of wisdom, unless that's what you wanted it to be?
3: No, you know, my final words of wisdom are um, no matter how challenging your situation is, you can find your way through it. You can find joy and happiness, and, and that's the goal. That's what we're here to do.
0: Oh, my goodness. Very good. Okay. Well, Kate, thank you so much for sharing your uh, morning with us today. And um, good luck with everything. And best of luck with your son, daughter, and oh, well, your son and both of your daughters. Thank you, Parthenia. <laughs> okay. You take care. Thank you. Have a wonderful Saturday. Okay. You too. Okay. Now it's time for our herb of the day. Yes, we finally got to it and Bill is so caught off guard. <laughs> the herb is Muira Puama. Parts used are the bark and roots. Phytochemicals include beta sitosterol, campesterol, and lupiol. According to Balk and Balk, it helps to relieve pain, acts as a mild laxative and detoxifier and supports the heart. Has a general tonic effect and balances sex hormones. Beneficial in treating nervous system disorders, impotence, depression, stress, rheumatism, uh, hair loss. Sorry, uh, rheumatism, asthma, and um, menopausal and menstrual problems. They caution that it is alcohol based, or they comment that it's alcohol based. Uh, Is believed to be the best form of that uh, rainforest herb, and um, its uh, active constituents are neither water soluble nor broken down in the digestive process. Okay, and our asana for today, Parvrita uh, Parsvakonasana. Yes, you stand in Tadasana. You inhale and jump the legs four to four and a half feet apart, arms stretched sideways, turn the left leg and foot about 60 degrees in and the right leg about 90 degrees out. Line up the feet, extend the trunk up, turn the left hip well in, bend the right leg to a right angle and turn the trunk to face the right leg. Keep the coccyx facing directly back and the middle of the pubis and sternum facing directly ahead. Keep the outer edge of the left heel down on the floor. With an exhalation, turn and bend the left side of the body toward the right leg, bend the left arm and place it against the right outer knee with the forearm and hand stretched. Uh, place the right hand on the right hip and tuck the hip in toward the coccyx to keep the coccyx centered. Press the left upper arm against the thigh to bring the left side of the chest to the right. Squeeze the abdomen up and away from the right thigh. Extend the front of the body from the pubis to the head. Revolve the right side of the trunk up and back, and of course, that's a call according to B.K. Iyengar. Okay, very good. Now. There's so much that may be changing down the road that I have to share with you. Um, Right now, as I said earlier, the shows air live Saturday mornings with rebroadcast Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So this show will run again next Friday at 8 p.m. Starting Friday, July 11, 2008, shows will air live Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern and rebroadcast Uh, Rebroadcasts will occur Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll keep reminding you. You have been listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard, at Achieve Radio. My guest next week, June 21, 2008, will be Addie Johnson, author of Life is Sweet, 333 Ways to Look on the Bright Side and Find the Happiness in Front of You. At the end of that program, we will discuss the Erb Mulin and the Asana Pavrita Artha Chandrasana. Uh, use the link on my website to listen to the program on your computer, iPod, or cell phone uh, Saturdays at this point at 9 a.m. And remember, second Saturdays, we're going to try to get Monique in here again on July 12th with her intuition about world affairs and callers' issues. There's a link for advertising on the program on my site. You can send emails and resumes or recordings to consult at amtherapies.com. We offer the public iridology and kinesiology assessments, consultations in nutrition, meditation, acupressure, and psychosocial consultations. Our website, www.amtherapies.com. Oh, yes, we're... Anxiously waiting to find out where Mark is going to go to college in September and graduating, we know, on Wednesday. Wellness, wholeness, and wisdom. Be well.
2: Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures.